Welcome to the WCS Voices Podcast, where we bring you insightful discussions, expert insights, and inspiring stories from educators, students, and parents in Wood County and beyond. Uh, today, we are joined by Christy Willis, who is the superintendent of Wood County Schools. Welcome, hey, good Christy. Afternoon. Thank you. Good afternoon. We're also joined with Michael Erb. Michael is the communications coordinator for Wood County Schools as well. So welcome, Michael. Pleased to be here. All right. We appreciate both of you being here. Um, so this is Teacher Appreciation Week, which is uh, the 8th through the 12th of May. And um, so, Christy, um, you were a teacher once. Yes. You're now the superintendent, but you were a teacher. So what was that first year of teaching like for you? <laughs> the first year of teaching for me was horrible. Um, I felt that I wasn't very good. Okay. And looking back, I don't think that I was. Which I imagine a lot of people can identify <laughs> yes. with that. Yes. You yeah. were trying to, you know, think about classroom management and those pieces. And then at the end of the day, you go, did I really teach anybody anything? Yeah. Did they have any clue about what I was trying to get across today? Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about your very first job. Well, um, coming out of college, Wood County Schools had a hiring freeze at the time. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my first experience where I had a long-term sub position was at Blennerhassett Elementary in sixth grade, and it was uh, teaching four sections of English language arts and then also doing some art, which I'm not very good at. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but I enjoyed the English language arts part, and I loved sixth grade. I enjoyed changing classes and working on a team of, you know, with four teachers there. And um, actually, one of our very own Wood County Schools National Board Certified Teacher, Lisa Buckley, was teaching right beside me. So we met early on in our careers. She was phenomenal coming out of school. And I was uh, actually a little envious of her. She really had it. You know, there's people who just have that it factor. And Lisa had it from the very beginning. Yeah. And so it was nice that I had her, you know, a new teacher who was with me in those ranks. But then I also had some veteran support at the time, too. Um, At the time, Carla Shockey, she was a great mentor to both of us, and she was at Blennerhassett. And then my father-in-law was actually teaching there, too. And um, he was in his last year of teaching as I was coming into the profession, and we got to work together for a few months. Nice. Yeah, so it was very nice. Well, you know, just to go back for a minute, um, you said that you weren't very good at art. No. Um, I think that's one of the things that a lot of teachers, when, you, when you're starting as a new teacher, you don't realize all the things that you, you didn't know you were going to have to do or be involved with. Uh, you went to college, and you picked this certain content area, and then you get your first job. Mm-hmm. And you get a lot of different duties, a lot of different things thrown at you that suddenly you're having to figure it all out. Yes. Yeah, and so for you it was art. <laughs> it was art. Yeah, and an art appreciation class, and then, you know, we did a, an art class that was for teachers. But being a generalist, you're expected to do a lot of different things and wear many different hats. Right. But you really are not sometimes versed very well in any of those particular, you know, whether it be music, art. You know, we even had the PE credits. But to go in and teach PE full-time basis sure. is a, you know, yeah. a challenge too. So yeah. that's a whole but discipline we muddled in through. and of itself. Yes, and trying to find, you know, material each week that would interest the kids, but something that 
And, and I just got to the point where maybe I couldn't do it, but I could get them started, and sure. they took off with whatever project it was from that point. So we made it. <laughs> well, so I heard the story about your very first classroom. So tell me about your very first classroom. It was um, in a basement? <laughs> when I first got a teaching contract, I was teaching in uh, Morgan Local Schools. And I had to leave Wood County, unfortunately, to gain some experience because of the hiring freeze. So when I did that, uh, my first teaching job was I taught special education in Morgan Local and the school that I was teaching at, it was the last year that school was going to be opened. Okay. They were actually closing it mm -hmm. to build new schools in the area. But my classroom was in the basement. And not only was it in the basement, it was underneath the gymnasium. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I take it you could hear the gymnasium. Yes, basketball day was not fun for me. <laughs> like how many more weeks of basketball are we going to oh. do in PE class upstairs wow um but actually it, it ended up being okay uh it being special education we did you know some more work around with schedules did some inclusion um it was quite an experience but at the same time made a memory the wall I can remember the fan looking up mm -hmm. it was pretty creepy. I had <laughs> one set of glass that was opaque that, you know, kind of had a little sunlight come down it. And then this fan that was underneath the gym that just would spin in the shadows. And <laughs> yeah, you didn't want to stay down there too long. So yeah. that was, well, it was definitely first classroom, first experience, there you go. but never forgotten. That's one thing you can say about teachers is we are all very adaptable. You That's never know right. what kind of situation you're going to be in, and you're going to have to adapt to that situation, whether it be your, your content area or whether it be your classroom, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. Um, you're right. I was thankful have to, to have a job. I've been That's waiting right. three years for a contract. You stick me in a basement underneath a yeah. gym, and I go, and we're going to make the best of this. It's going to work. That's right. <laughs> um, so tell me about how, um, since you've started teaching, yeah. how has the teaching profession changed? You're going to date me, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's changed a lot. It really has. And even the things that coming out of college that we focused on, um, the classroom has changed. The expectations in the classroom have changed. I mean, I can remember coming out, we had IGOs, is what they called them. Then we moved into, you know, CSOs. Right. Uh, starting in... Which, if you're somebody else listening in, with not sure what these jargons, these, these would be our content standards and objectives. The objectives that classrooms teachers um, use every day in their lessons, in their instruction. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we were doing, let's just say small group reading instruction. A lot of things that we did were by hand, you know. Right. If we did assessments, we were listening to students. Now... You know, we have technology, and that's moved into, let's say we talk about a program like iReady, where students take a diagnostic, and we're able to see what a student can do, but instead of, you know, the teacher going one by one and listening to these students read or whatever, we still do that too, but we get some more diagnostic information sure. from what they answer on these programs. 
it, we have much more information at our fingertips, but the vastness also means you have to know what's relevant and what's purposeful to use in yeah. instruction. It's a lot of data and a lot of information, and you have to, like you say, yeah, figure out now how does this apply for the students, especially the students that are struggling in my classroom. How does this apply to them, and how can I use that data to help them? Yeah, and, and you can't admire the problem either. I mean, sometimes we get lost in trying to look at all of the data that we forget that we need to be making a plan of how are we going to make improvements for instruction. And I've been guilty of that myself. You get so wrapped up in here's where we are, here's sure. you know some things that we need to work on that you know we need to spend just as much time, if not more, on, okay, so now what are we going to do about it? Right, yeah. So I guess the question would be that, after your years of teaching, and then you've been an administrator for, for several years now, would you go back to the classroom? Would you Absolutely, go back to teaching? Absolutely, I would. Um, I've even thought about, you know, we all know superintendent positions aren't forever, whether going back to a classroom or, you know, I've even thought about having the opportunity to instruct teachers or let's say students who want to be teachers, you know, at a college right. level. I think that would be amazing to yeah. continue um, that giving back to a profession that I care so much about. Right. You know, right. I just think there's no greater profession in the world than there is to be a teacher. And I feel very honored that I am a teacher and I've been able to be a part of that profession. And I, you know, look at students that I had in class and where they are today and go, I had just a little piece of time with them that I hope that I was able to give them something. Sure. And, and that nobody else gets to do that. It, that's, no. That's exciting. No. It, it is an incredible job. It's a tough job. It is a tough job. It's, it's not easy. Um, it has a lot of aspects to it. Um, a lot of things are challenging. Um, but... Given all that, would you still encourage young people to go into the teaching profession? I would. I would. It, what makes me very sad is that I think sometimes the media and how our culture looks on education right now discourages young people from wanting to go into education. Yeah. You know, um, in this world sometimes we think about a dollar sign means your value. And I, I don't believe that. I think that what you can give to someone else in this life that's going to go well beyond, um, you know, the walls of your classroom is something you can't put a dollar sign on. Um, it would be nice if, you know, teachers made more money, that's for sure. And there's lots of professions that, you know, they're impactful in society and they make more money. But being a teacher, just they're just, to me, there's no better badge of honor and you wear that with pride that you are making a difference in this world and giving someone something. I mean, teaching a kid to read, when you just see them light up or they learn those words, right. no one can put a dollar amount on no. that. It's just so exciting. Or when you have parents who come in and their child's struggling and you're listening to the parent and you can feel where they're coming from and you just want to do everything that you can to make sure that their child's going to have, you know, the things in place to try to get them where they need to go. Um, and, you know, we all think probably it's one of those things where at some point you can't solve the problem on your own. And one thing in the teaching profession 
and they do it in the medical field, and, and I think we've started doing it more in education, which is pulling our resources together. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're sick, you go to the doctor, you have a specialist, and then they're like, well, you know what, I might need to refer you to this person too. And so pulling the resources together in a school, in a bigger picture, even a school system, to try to help support these students with different things is really, it, 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 that's changed. You know, looking outside the classroom walls, you talk about, you mentioned about 20 years ago when I first started, I think we were much more integrated in helping each other and trying to work through issues to help students than we were maybe 20 years ago. I think we're I think we're more aware of a lot of the issues and the problems, and we have a lot more education to understand that too. I know we just um, recorded a, a future podcast with Esther Carroll, and she um, she works with the New Era One Room School Room, and we asked her the question, you know, how are things changed since you know these one room schools uh, operated with maybe eighth graders teaching the younger kids and that kind of thing, and we made comparisons um, about teacher preparation and education level as we compare them today. And, you know, back then they didn't have a lot of services. They didn't have, um, you know, if somebody was identified with something, they just did the best they could with it. But we didn't have the services available to them. And I think you're right. Um, A lot of those services are available today, and we do a lot more for our students and offer a lot more uh, to solve these problems when parents come in and, you know, uh, my child's having this issue. And we have, we're more equipped to be able to help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we learn from each other. I mean, that's why I think in our schools, collaboration is so important. Absolutely. You yeah. know, to be able to bring something to the table and have a discussion. Um, I can look back in my teaching career. When I was teaching fifth grade at Jefferson, I remember we were doing um, small group reading, and Kaziah Douglas, who's now one of our academic mm-hmm. coaches in the county, I learned so much from Kaziah. She taught me a lot. And she had the reading masters and was a Title I teacher. And, you know, she came into my classroom. I loved when she came in. And, you know, we worked really well together. I always learned something from Kaziah. And the same thing with Karen Hickman. She was the Title I math teacher. Karen would come in. We would do math lessons together. Karen had, you know, a lot of experience. And um, she was a a good mentor for me, too. So... Coming into the teaching profession, if you can find those mentors that you really um, value their opinions and their, you know, instructional strategies, it's invaluable because I think that we have lots of teachers in our classrooms today in Wood County that have a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. And so for new people coming into the profession, if you can find those folks, absolutely, just learn everything you can from them. Because I can name a, a long list of people that I have a lot of respect for that have helped me over the years. That's right. Yeah, you get the pedagogy in school, mm-hmm. but then you come into the classroom and it's one problem after another that you never encountered and then you've got your colleagues if you can find a mentor that's already been through all these things mm-hmm. and and can give you good insights and help you along your way yes and the people that take time to even after school I can remember sitting give you another name Mindy Wilson who's um, she was teaching fifth grade with me at the time and and after school we would sit in her classroom and we would kind of debrief about the day and you know, what was going on, making adjustments mm-hmm. to what we were doing. So, yeah, I've been very blessed 
great people in Wood County that has been a huge part of my life and has yeah. made me a better educator. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, I'm going to pull you into the discussion here a little bit. Um, do you have any past stories of great memories of teachers you've had or time you were in school? Well, I, I want to start off by saying I am not an educator, uh, but I have spent 20 plus years writing about educators, about education. Yeah. Um, greatly respect and admire teachers and have uh, my whole life. And uh, I've said before that what I do today is, is possible because of the teachers that I had uh, when I was in school. And I'm a graduate of Wood County Schools, graduate of Williamstown High School, uh, Williamstown Elementary, and um, uh my teachers then, um, uh, you know, Miss Goldsworthy, um, Mrs. Morgan, Miss Pettigrew, uh, they are part of what I do every day. Yeah. And I am able to do what I do here. I am able to uh, write about and communicate with the with community uh, to let them know the incredible things these teachers are doing. And every day, that is that is their voices. That is their lessons shining through. And uh, I really do appreciate that. Yeah, you've talked to me before about the impact they had on your journalism career. Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 They taught me a lot of the, the fundamentals. Uh, but more than that, I figured out what I wanted to do, what I was good at, uh, what I wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, they helped guide that. They helped me discover that. And uh, yeah, it was something that, that I've spent years uh, being very, very thankful yeah. For, for the start that they gave me. And that inspiration, that's not something that you're not taught, taught to inspire people in your college classes. Right. That's something that, that comes with the territory and teachers figure out how to do it. And that's a big part of being a teacher is, is inspiring your students. Absolutely. Yeah. When, when I do, when I look back at those key people in my life, um, those, those, Elementary school, middle school, high school teachers, those are the ones I think of. Uh, they're the ones I come back to. As you're talking about teachers that you had, um, this is an interesting tidbit. So everyone probably knows I went to Guyon Elementary when I was a, you know, when we moved back to Parkersburg, my family did when I was eight. And my first um, experience at Guyon, I had Mrs. Houck. She would taught third grade. And Mrs. Houck has been so kind. She's followed me throughout the years um, through different positions, and I would all of a sudden get this card in the mail, and it was from Mrs. Houck. And now, um, as she sees things that are going on in Wood County, she still writes me notes. Wow, yeah. And she knew I loved Mary Lou Retton back in the 80s. You know, (laughs) I came from Fairmont, so Mary Mm -hmm. Lou Retton was from Fairmont, and she remembered that. So anything that's Mary Lou Retton, I get it in the mail still. (laughs) That's awesome. Which I love, and she writes me little notes. But what I love is she, she knew me when I was eight, and she's followed me this whole time. And the notes that she writes are so personal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something only a teacher can give. Yeah. Because she spent every day with me. She, you know, she helped to make that year of transition and moving from one city to another and mm-hmm. in that, you know, learning new friends, new school. Um, it was very special. And, and she knew that was, I wanted to be in Parkersburg. It was where I wanted to be, but it was hard in moving and making new right. friends. So. Right. Yeah, I think that was, I think it's special, and I just love that she still connects with me, and I just think that's what teachers do. When you talk about teachers that inspire, 
I'm sure that there's teachers that are going to listen to this podcast and go, yeah, I still rate students that I had. That's right. Or when you see students who are out that run up and give you a hug, that's when you know you've made a difference. That's, that's right. Awesome. That's right. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you guys for joining us today. Do you, do you have any final thoughts? First, I would like to say thank you to all of our teachers for taking care of our children every single day in our classrooms. Um, I know that those of you that are teaching, you dedicate your time, you dedicate your resources to those in your care. Um, I'm sure that you worry about your students when they leave you, when they're not with you, and you think about the things that they're going through um, in their own in their own lives when they've shared them with you because they've trusted you to tell you that. Um, the old adage of people don't care what you know until you know how much you care still holds true today. Um, students know when their teachers care about them. You know, I think that's what Michael and I were trying to share was right. we know that part. And so for all teachers, thank you for what you do every day. Thank you for giving your students the best opportunities so that they can continue to grow and learn and be successful. And I want everybody who's listening to be proud to be an educator and encourage those um, in your in your life that you see something in, if they could be an educator, encourage them to go into the profession because Absolutely. it's one that definitely um, needs great people to lead us into the future. That's right. Christy, thank you. Michael, thank you. Thank you. Again, we were with Christy Willis today, superintendent of Wood County Schools, and Michael Erb is the communications coordinator for Wood County Schools. I appreciate both of you coming in today. I uh, want to remind everybody that the podcast is always available uh, at woodcountyschoolswv.com slash wcsvoices. You can also find the podcast on popular uh, podcast apps such as Apple, Google, and Amazon. So we want to thank you for joining our conversation today. Thank you, Brad.